start to dynamite rupt. Also, hello, my friends. Welcome to Ups and Downs, and you know the deal by now, where I, Simon Miller, take my finger and I just wiggle it around. But it's no ordinary finger. It is the finger of power. You're now thinking to yourself, Simon, that's a weird thing to say. Look at me. I'm a weird guy. Let's up those downs. Because, yeah, we did start with Excalibur telling us we're about to have one of our blind tag team eliminator matches when we went to the back and we saw Keith Lee having a little bit of a chat with Darby Allen. Basically, Darby was telling Keith to, look, I know you don't want to tag with Swerve Strickland, your mortal enemy, who you will never actually fight one-on-one, but also, what happened to the old Keith Lee? Lee did kind of laugh this off, but look, it was Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen taking on Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. One of the first things we saw was Keith being like, oh, you want the old Keith Lee, do you? And he grabbed Darby. And he launched him so high into the air, I thought NASA was going to get involved and be like, man, there is something weird going through space. I mean, it was absolutely hilarious. And when Orange tagged in, the same kind of thing happened. He tried to get some shots in and Keith Lee gave him his chop. And I tell you, he's lucky he's a piece of fruit because if he was a human, he'd be dead. Darby and Cassidy then proved that they had come into this with stored finishes because they just tried to bust all of them out. When Swerve Strickland tagged in and he got into it with Alan. And of course, if you know your nerve, wrestling history, they go back a long way. Amazingly, Keith and Swerve then did kind of work together for a little bit, although they weren't happy about it, when Keith just did this mad Tower of Doom spot. So if this was meant to be a little bit of a reset for him, it worked. Darby and Orange then hit about 72,941 finishes on Keith Lee, because that's the only way you can keep him down. But do you know how Swerve Strickland broke this up? With a 450. And that was smart, because not only did he save the match... But he also got a little punch in on his own partner. This was so much damn fun. It went with them both wanting to try to get the win. And you know what happens when you do that in pro wrestling. You have miscommunication. So they were done. It meant that Darby was able to hit the last supper on Swerve to get the one, two, three. And the way they transitioned into that was just wonderful. And honestly, you should find 12 minutes of your day to watch this. It's just pure joy because everybody is having a good time. So it came out the screen. It hit me in the tum-tum. Surprise, surprise. I was having a good time too. Up. However, I do have a down. And I know Simon Miller has a down. What the flub is going on? But given how random and ridiculous this tournament has already kicked off in the best possible way, it still just pains me a little bit that we didn't go all in and have so many backstage segments when wrestler A found out, oh no, I can't believe I'm with wrestler B. You also don't have any brackets. And while that kind of does tie into the gimmick, it's meant to be a blind tournament. I think it just would have been better because you can sit down and get all excited about it. And look, AEW is still doing a good job. I just think it could have gone even higher still. So there it is. Dun, dun, dun. It's getting it down. I soon moved on from that, though, because there was three sides on this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. I mean, it blew me away. The first just wanted an up. The second said justice for Barry Barricade. So I was doing the dance of joy. And the third, well... A little bit controversial. Because they wanted me to give Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau a down. <laughs> now we're just going to move that to one side. But man, did it make me laugh. But I live in Canada, so I don't really know what he's doing. Maybe he's a goober. Maybe he's a hero. Now I've said that, you'll definitely come and tell me. The whole point, though, is that this is a positive Pete show. So, of course, you get an up. And I know I repeat myself, which is thank you from my tootsie toes. I mean, it's just wonderful. Right after all this, too, we had a video to introduce Nick Wayne as flubbing brilliant. Because most people know that he has signed an AEW contract that kicks in when he is 18 years old. Well, that's in a couple of weeks. 
that it was time to light a fire under his ass. It was all situated around Darby Allen too, who was trained by his father, Buddy Wayne. As he explained the day he found out that Buddy had passed away, when all of a sudden he was like, oh my gosh, how the hell is Nick going to be able to handle that? It's also when Alan promised to watch over Nick Wayne, which is when he went to Tony Khan and said, look, you should go and check out my pal Nick. He is such a good wrestler. And yeah, when Tony did see him, he was like, you're 100% correct. Somebody get him a deal. On a personal level too, I've seen Wayne up close and personal at a progress show. And I tell you, he is so damn good. Honestly, we need to do more videos like this because instantly I was pumped to see him. That's the whole point. You're meant to throw your arms in the air and go, oh my gosh, I can't wait. Give it up. Tony Schiavone was then backstage. He wanted to talk to Jungle Boy. Now, how he knew that Jack Perry was about to turn up, I don't know, but he did. And he got out of his vehicle and was like, listen, that hook, he's nothing but a thug. And I'm a gentleman from the jungle. So if we are going to do the fisticuffs, we should do it in the ring. Therefore, I'm going to see Mr. Tony Khan and ask for an FTW title match. This is when Hook appeared from nowhere and just murked him, and that made me laugh, especially because even though Perry had just arrived at the arena, he got back in his car and he drove off again. No car has ever sounded like that. Now, I do think we have to give the boy time, but I think he's growing into this role, and I just want to see how this feud evolves over the next few weeks. So, so far, I'm fine with this. When we got to the best thing in AEW currently, the team of MJF and Adam Cole. <laughs> My word, goofy wrestling for life. They were showing them working out in a gymnasium, also known as the Fitness Palace of Love. And when MJF went to do a set, he said, oh, buddy, Adam Cole, can you spot me? Adam Cole's like, yeah, sure. And he was just on his phone the whole time. This is the most accurate representation of life ever. Freeman then started insulting people in the gym, but Adam said, look, you can't do that. But do you know the insult they were happy to come together on? That he looked a little bit like Tony Schiavone. I love the fact that these two hate Tony. It ended with Cole going to do the same weight, and MJF couldn't believe it because he just smashed out these reps. And I need this team to last at least 16 weeks so I can get one skit every seven days. I'm actually excited about it, and we're not even done on this evening. I am totally giving it up. When it was angle time next, kinda. But it was the Acclaim versus the Blade and the Bollywood Boys, and it was very nice to see them on Dynamite. And I think one of the first things that Billy Gunn did was try to moon the crowd, which is when referee Aubrey Edwards was like, I don't think they want to see your ass. And I was like, man. That's actually a thing that just happened. Max Caster soon tagged in and he whooped everybody so we could build to the Sizzamy Timber spot. And after he did have his ass kicked, you know the deal. He got the hot tag to Anthony Bowens. That guy ran wild. He must have been practicing his fame master too because he hit a crazy one. When Billy Gunn cleared the ring and then we hit the mic drop. One, two, three. I was like, what? I guess that's it. As it turned out, though, there was a story coming, though, because this is when Harley Cameron appeared on the big screen. It's like, well, look who it is, the acclaimed. Last week, I just wanted to do a bit of a rap, and you interrupted me. But that's why I've got a surprise for you. Dun, dun, dun. Next week. It's always next week. What are wrestlers doing? Billy then told her to suck it, which means this was a very weird conversation. But here's the deal. This one's nice and simple. I really like the acclaimed, and I really like QTV. So if they are going to have a program... Do you know who the real winner is here? Me. And I'm a loser in real life. So I appreciate this a lot. Up. And then the next segment, Rock 2. Four weeks saw some highlights from the latest New Japan show. And that's right. Eddie Kingston beat Kenta to become the strong open weight champion. And he is just so damn happy 
you can't help but love it. We also cut to John Moxley here, who cut a fantastic promo, because he was like, man, Eddie's my friend, and I love him, and I want to be partners forever, but we need to get back on the same page, because of course, over the last few weeks, they are arguing like brothers, and it kind of feels like they want to kill each other. Has anybody else seen that photo of Mox from this show too? He literally has bits of wood coming out of his head. He is crazy. It also left us with a big tease, because while we do have the teams for the Blood and Guts match, there is an extra space on the Elite side, and there is an extra space on the BCC side. So who the hell is going to step into those shoes? Well, we will find out. Here's what I realised. Anytime we do anything between Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, I forget that wrestling is predetermined, which means they're smashing it, which means it's an up. Also, as we are here, one day, Eddie Kingston should be AEW champion. Looking to my eyes, I am not joking. Thankfully, we then did get some blind tag team tournament nonsense. Yes, because Matt Hardy was in the back and he wanted to find out who his partner was. When RJ City was like, oh, wonderful. It's Jeff. Give it a beat, give it a beat. Jarrett. And then Matt walked off going, man, I hate Jeff Jarrett. Really upset we can't do more of these. Even this was funny. It's enjoyable watching a wrestler freak out. Which is when sports entertainment came round the corner next. And I was not expecting this. So Chris Jericho came to the ring. And while he was really happy to be back in Canada, he was like, well, look, we all know what's happened over the last few weeks. I haven't been doing very well, and in fact, I keep losing. Even with all that, though, he kind of feels like he's on the cusp of becoming the best Chris Jericho ever when out came Don Callis, and he got booed out of the place. He also reminded Chris that six years ago, it was him that lit a fire under his career, because he was the guy that rang up Jericho and said, do you know what you should do? You should go to New Japan, and we should do Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho, and everything will change. And he's 100% right. He did suggest this. Nothing has been the same since. Jericho made out like he'd already repaid this favour because years ago Don wanted to get back into the wrestling industry so Chris made sure this did happen and he got him into AEW when they kind of looked at each other for a bit because something was brewing and it wasn't a coffee. Because ever since Kenny Omega had destroyed his family Don is now trying to build a new one which is why he is extending an invitation to the person he trusts the most. Obviously Chris Jericho. If you didn't get that, you won't keep it up. Now, by this point, Jericho had basically become mega babyface and was even doing old catchphrases. So he said, I have one word for you, Don Callis. Maybe. When he walked off, and all of a sudden our intrigue glands picked up. Now, I really do like this, because as we know, Don Callis is building a new faction, and DeKester is already in it. So if you put Jericho in there, well, it could go on to be something special. I was like, what about the Jericho Appreciation Society? Very nicely, AEW was going to wrap that up later. So it's got me. I want to know what's going to happen, which is the point of a weekly television show. Makes me tune back in. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com 
slash wrestling. I did have a quick video reminding you of everything that's upcoming in the Owen Hart Cup tournament, including CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. And I really do hope we go all in on this because an old nerd like me is very excited when Rene Paquette was backstage with Roderick Strong. Now, after he was killed last week, his neck doesn't work anymore. And Dr. Doc Sampton was like, listen, Roddy, your neck doesn't work anymore. But Strong was all like, have you heard my last name? I ain't worried about no bones. This is when Adam Cole walked in because he is worried about his friend. But just as they were getting into it, he got a text from MJF. So it was time for his match. So you just know that Roderick Strong is going to do something here. At the moment... I don't know what it is. He did sell this like a sad puppy, though. So now look what we're doing to this story. We even have a subplot. It is layered like an onion. And it was well time too, because Adam Cole and MGF were then in action. Hook it to my veins. Because not only did Maxwell just copy Adam Cole's entrance, which was hilarious, but they were taking on The Butcher and Matt Menard, who have called themselves Magic Meat. So that was it us on the floor. I was like, please, can we just have this match for the rest of my life until I am dead? I need magic meat forever. Daddy Magic and the Butcher then jumped these guys to begin with. And this MJF man, even though he is a mega heel, he played the whole thing like he was a 1980s babyface. And if anybody else in the modern day tried to do this, they would have failed. But the fans were lapping it up. And I'll be honest with you, so was I. He is terrific. Cole is equally as good because at one point, Maxwell had the abdominal stretch on and he kept asking for help. And after a while, Adam's like, ah, screw it. I will do it. And even though their team was rocking and rolling for a little bit, eventually it was Maxwell who was getting beaten up. I think mostly because the butcher pretended he was going to give him a discount at his shop. They took it back. It was so well thought out too because MGF got out of this by grabbing the butcher's balls and then doing the same to Matt Menard. Although I don't think Adam Cole saw this. He did get the hot tag. And much like all wrestlers that get the hot tag, he ran wild. Now he did hit a neck breaker here because he likes to break necks. So I bet Roderick Strong was watching going, man, well, that's an insult right at me. When MJF was on the apron calling for a double clothesline, which he kept mentioning throughout this episode of Dynamite. And if you've seen that social media clip when he ran into Adam Cole's Twitch stream, but it's just the best. And they didn't do it here. But you know, eventually they are just going to do a double clothesline that everyone's going to go crazy. They are geniuses. Cole just ignored all this though. And eventually he hit the boom to get the one, two, three. You could just see in Friedman's eyes, he was a little bit annoyed. But actually, we had more. Because MJF got on the microphone afterwards and he was just being so damn cheesy. And once again, it worked when he said, oh my gosh, Adam, I have a surprise for you because I know it's your birthday. When all of a sudden, there were all these streamers and a bunch of people came out the back with some cake. I was like, what is going on? I swear this was written for me. Just as he started to sing happy birthday too, Adam was like, man, you've got to stop this. It's way too much. When Freedom was like, well, there's one last thing to do. You have to blow out the candle on your cake and ask for a wish. This is where FGF turned to the camera. He said, my wish is that Adam Cole's face goes into this sweetie treat. Just as he went to do it, Cole reversed it. MJF went into the cake and I was like, that's it. It's absolutely perfect. Goofy wrestling for life. It was also an amazing moment afterwards because Adam Cole actually thanked him for all of this and he sounded super genuine. So either one, Cole is tricking him or two, he's falling into the trap. But the chemistry that these two have is wonderful. Do not break them up anytime soon. Obviously, that will be the end point. But you can get a good few weeks out of this. Make sure you watch it. Up. Renee Paquette was then back. She was talking to Britt Baker. 
He wasn't doing this with the microphone. Brit wasn't happy with what Ruby Soho had said last week, and you wouldn't be because she insulted her, but there's one thing that she'll never be able to take away, which is her pride. Okay. There was another thing too, which was the Owen Hart Cup belt that she had won last year, and that's why this time, because they're about to fight in the Owen Hart Cup tournament, Ruby Soho will lose. I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler. Ruby Soho did not lose. Renee must have then been using a body double because she was doing another interview where Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia had found Chris Jericho. They were like, what the flub was that earlier? Garcia especially was adamant, we need you, Chris Jericho, where once again, Jericho was kind of good guy here. He's like, no, you don't, man. You need to fly by yourselves. Trust me, it's your time to shine. This is when Renee just randomly told Daniel Garcia and Sam, oh, by the way, you're a team in the tag team tournament. This is what I'm talking about. We could have done a whole jolly with this. Instead, it just came out of someone's mouth. Anywho, the point of all of this is that it does feel like Chris Jericho is going to accept the offer. So what happens to the JAS? This was very well built, I thought. And once again, I want to see what's going to happen. Which is when, yeah, Britt Baker and Ruby Soho kicked each other's ass. Now, Britt also had a major problem in the form of the outcast, even though they apologized a trillion times. At one point, she's on the outside and she just looked at them. And we know, when you are a professional wrestler and you look at someone, you are serious. Now, to be fair, she was right to do this because Tony Storm and Soraya then proceeded to just interfere so much. I was like, come on, AEW management. You knew they were going to do this. Why the hell do you let them go to the ring? I mean, they are like renegades. But even when Britt Baker was eventually going to go for the lockjaw, Soraya was just jumping around. This is when Tony Storm had that Owen Hart Cup title. So Ruby grabbed her and just threw her into it. That's what happened. Although she then hit no future for an amazing near fall, which Brick kicked out at two. That was really good. Baker then used the ropes to reverse the momentum and she got the lockjaw. When the outcasts just pulled her out of the ring. The referee saw this and decided, you know what? I've got no problem with it. So as far as I'm concerned, he must be in the damn group. Finally, Baker had enough of these idiots though, so she started to super kick all of them. When Ruby and Baker actually did the ending sequence to their match last year, which I thought was very clever, but this time when Ruby Soho hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll up, she got help from Tony Storm, damn it. And she got the one, two, three. And this is absolutely one of those occasions where that finish did work. And I'm glad that Ruby did win because she's on a roll with a heel at the moment. So it's getting it up. However, for starters, we do need to bring down the surprise roll-up counter, which as always is out of control. But after this, Sky Blue walked out. She looked at Ruby Soho and Ruby Soho looked at her because they are in the next round of the Owen Hart Cup tournament. But my question was, wait a minute, Sky Blue. You've been involved in the outcast business before. You just decided to let this happen. Like at least Willow Nightingale was in Japan. We knew all of that. That didn't make any sense. It was the definition of two plus two equals potato. And kind of make me go, Sky Blue, what are you doing? So it's got to get it down. I mean, if I all of a sudden do this, but don't explain it, you're going to wonder what the hell is going on and probably speculate he turned into Cousin It. Which did indeed bring us to our main event, and it was just top, top stuff. It was just Kenny Omega versus Wheeler Utah. Although we do need to turn to the crime counter here, formerly the death threat counter. Because when we had a promo early in the evening, Wheeler Utah said, Kenny Omega, <laughs> I'm going to end you which means he's going to kill him. Can't do that. You would definitely get arrested. Bring it down. It rolls up to nine. Nine crimes in professional wrestling. We also had so much story here because, of course, this was Kenny Omega's first match since the Forbidden Door. So we just sold it like he was totally broken. So straight away, Wills was like, I can see your neck is nothing but juice on a pole, whatever that means, but I'm going to suck it dry. 
That's the weirdest thing I've ever said. Now, Kenny was still able to hit the Karate Crusher, but when he went for You Can't Escape, that's right. You two was like, haha, I can see your flashing red spots like you are a video game boss. And he went to work. You also hit this amazing looking dive, because 2023 wrestling, when he grabbed Ken and he threw him into Barry Barricade. So sigh. Damn it, I said sigh when I just meant to make the sigh. But it does go up to 85, but also, once again, shout out to that person that did have a Justice for Barry sign in the crowd. I mean, we are trying so hard. Kenny still fired up from this when Wheeler just whammed him right in the neck again. And I even screamed out, oh my gosh, it's that damn Tiger Driver wound. So at least we're using it for something. Omega then came back with this brutal looking fisherman buster when Yuta was able to dodge the V-trigger and he hit the Olympic slam for a great near fall. He is having such a good 2023. Kenny Omega is just one of the best ever. It also actually made me believe that maybe we would pull a fast one here so they achieved their goal when they started to just punch each other in the face. And when Yuta got bored of that, he hit the German suplex. All nine, that's had a niche. Omega then came back after this because he got the V-trigger and a Snapdragon times two when Wheeler was like, nope. And he went for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, but it didn't work. Can you imagine? Of course, this is when Don Callis tried to get to the ring because he is a goober. And as the referee was distracted, the Kester turned up and he hit the least devastating move in all sports entertainment, the Blue Thunderbomb. Wheeler Uta then hit the splash and Kenny Omega kicked out a two because of course he did. Nobody ever wins with the blue thunderbomb. Wheels then went back to the top, so Kenny was done with this. He just smashed him right in the skull, where he hit this gnarly-looking one-winging angel. But he did get the win. This was a fire match. Flavio Castagnoli then appeared, and him and Takeshita and everybody else started to put the boots to Kenny Omega. When out came the Young Bucks, and out came Hangman Adam Page, and they had chairs. And just as they were about to use them, do you know who else appeared? Doink the Clown. It wasn't Boy the Clown. That would have ruined all of it. It was the Dark Order. And they took this weapon away from the cowboy and basically said, we don't like you. Claudio also got BTE triggered during all of this. So look what we set up here. Like we are building to blood and guts, but what the flub is Evil Uno's group going to do? We don't know, but do I want to know? Finger says yes, and the finger says up. It also made Dynamite feel like it ended on a cliffhanger. I'm just enjoying all of wrestling right now. I think AEW, WWE, even Impact. Everyone is smashing it, and New Japan. They had a great show. It really gets me fired up, so I'm giving it an up. Just for Dynamite, though, I got carried away. Now, please do leave a comment below and let me know what you thought about last night's episode of Dynamite and ups and downs for a random wrestling show is up there right now, so click it so we can enjoy the fun. Like the video, share the video, and subscribe. My name is Simon Watt Culture. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Don't we have a lot of fun together? I think so. I love goofy wrestling for life. It genuinely makes me so happy. I even care, man. Goodbye. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.